My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Todd Rogers is a professor of public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. His work supports student success and attendance, strengthens democracy, and improves communication. Todd has co-founded two social enterprises, one of which focuses on improving voter communications, and the other which partners with school districts to reduce student absenteeism. At Harvard, Todd is the faculty director of the Behavioral Insights Group, faculty chair of an executive education program, and director of a student support R&D lab. He is also senior scientist at Ideas42 and academic advisor at the Behavioral Insights team. Todd earned an undergraduate degree in religion and psychology from Williams College, a master's degree in social psychology from Harvard, and a PhD in organizational behavior from Harvard. I hope you enjoy learning from Todd Rogers today, because I certainly did. Todd, thank you for coming on the podcast today. We have a mutual friend in Max Bazerman. He speaks so highly of you, and you've conducted a lot of great practical research. So I really appreciate the chance to talk with you today. Thanks for having me. Psyched to be here. As you think back on your research, Todd, are there two to three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned that you'd most like to pass along to others? Sure. I, well, I'll start with I'll start with one, which is what I am working on now, and. Uh, the short story of how we got here is over the last 20 years, I spent 10 years working on how do we increase voter turnout with more effective, psychologically informed messaging. And then for the last 10 years, it's been how do we use these same tools to mobilize and empower families to support kids outside of school? <clears throat> and over the last, since the pandemic, uh, the work has entirely shifted to an even more like abstract level, which is how do we write so that busy people read and respond to what we write? And this has been the, this is the focus now and for the next three, four years, what will be the focus? And I think that the, the big, most important takeaway is we should always edit with one, have one round of editing where the question is, how do I make this easier for the reader? And there's, I've got six principles. We have a book coming out on it, lots of research. But the big picture is the easier we make it for the reader, the more likely it is that they will read and respond. So on, often on the order of like two, three times more likely when we reduce the number of words and we reduce the number of requests, when we write at a lower reading level, when we make it skimmable. Uh, but it's also kinder to the reader. That's like the big gist is that it's more effective and kinder because if I send something that would have taken you two minutes to read and instead I had spent more time and I cut it down so it only takes you 30 seconds to read, I'm saving you time. I'm just showing you more respect in addition to being more effective. So the first one, which is like my life's passion right now, which is trying to figure out a way to disseminate and make absolutely central to the way we, we learn how to write that in the world, everyone is skimming, everyone is busy. And so we need to have a round of edit, which is how do I make it easier for the reader? I think that's really interesting. Uh, I saw something on Twitter the other day and they were talking about how um, I don't understand why I can never motivate myself to edit something before I send the message, but I can always be motivated to proofread after. And then I just find all the mistakes. Uh, and it also reminds me of, of one of the lessons I learned in junior college at a little a junior college in Ephraim, Utah, kind of middle of nowhere, one stoplight in the town. And the English professor 
said, right to express, not to impress. And I love that idea. And I've tried to apply that. But as I've learned more about your research, I love these steps and really thinking about being generous to the reader to try to make it as simple as possible for them. That's it. I mean, I, like it really, I would love your help on this. How do I, I, I want everyone who writes anything for anybody to do a round of edit asking themselves, how do I make it easier for the reader? How do I make it easier for the reader? In addition to being kinder, it's accessible to more people, but it's also just, it helps us achieve our writing goals, which is, it's just much more effective. And so we could go through what those, the principles are. I, I have a book coming out with Jessica Lasky Fink called The Science of, or it's called Writing for Busy Readers. And it turns out everyone's a busy reader. Uh, and so the, 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 it's, it's unpacking the steps for how we write so busy readers read and respond. Literally today, I wrote an email to uh, the admin here. I'm booking some travel for a conference. And I had three questions about the, we're using a new system and I didn't number the list. And uh, the questions were kind of interwoven throughout. And when the admin responded, she numbered all of the items for me and responded. And it was so easy. And then I, I was you know, preparing for this interview, going over your stuff. And it's like, again, I've missed the boat. I could have, I had an opportunity to make it easy. I didn't. Uh, but she had the insight to make it easier for me. Yeah, I, you know, I had this thing with a, a school district superintendent a couple weeks ago where I met with this person and there were three follow-up items. You know, one very important to me, two that were less important to me. And I wrote a, a you know, for me, I my writing, like the fewer words, the longer I spend on it. And so I know that this person is extremely busy. I write a really well-structured, and uh, I'll get to it in a sec, but a really well-structured email with the three follow-up items. And I realized they're the requests. They're like this follow-up on this, this, this. And I realized that by adding the second and third, I am, we've experimented showing this, but I had forgotten until I was editing <laughs> that I decreased the likelihood they were going to respond to any one of them. And so I actually, what I did was I deleted two of the follow-up items and just had the one. And if they responded, I was going to give them the other two. But I just want, I was, I, I wanted to prioritize the most important thing for me as the writer was one. And then the other two were just extras that we had talked about, but it's just going to dilute the impact of the, of the writing. I, I really am inspired by there's this, uh, this user centered design. One of the origins of the field in the seventies was a book called the design of everyday things by Don Norman. Amazing book. Uh, really, really simple, but, but the, the gist, the, 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 his like thesis, his almost moral thesis is that if a user does not understand how to use your product, it's your fault, not theirs. Hmm. And, and so I think the same is true for writing. If you send something to someone and they didn't read it or they didn't understand it, if they were too busy to get through it, it's your, it's our fault. Yeah. We, we need to make it so that they can get the key information with the amount of time they're going to devote. We, if they're not going to devote the hour it takes to fully understand the 17 paragraphs we're sending them, then like, let's make it, let's make it digestible. Yeah. So in, in journalism, they have a term for this, right? Uh, called burying the lead, or at least it's related to this idea. And in, in my leadership class, when I'm talking about communication, I use this example I got from uh, Dan and Chip Heath, where they, it's a little exercise you conduct the students and you say, uh, you know, imagine you write for the student newspaper and you need to report on this conference that's happening where all the faculty are 
going to San Francisco to attend this conference and they're going to talk about X, Y, and Z and blah, 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 blah. And then you tell the students, you know, what is the main point of that, of this event? Like, don't bury the lead. What is the, what's happening? How do you describe it? And so people try to summarize the information, you know, and they do kind of an okay job. And, and then every once in a while, the, one of the students will get the correct answer and it's no school tomorrow. That's the lead. All the teachers are going to the conference tomorrow. That's that's the true message. And and so I love this idea of always uh, take an extra round to edit to make it easier for the reader. Yeah, like uh, I, I love that. That's the example. I don't know that in I don't know which of their books it's in, but I later today I'm doing a training um, of a bunch of school leaders. And one of the exercises I have is I give them 10 seconds to look at a letter from a school to a family. And it's like eight paragraphs and whatever, whatever. And the lead, the Barry Lee, the, the, I'm like, and then afterwards we enter in the chat, like, oh, okay, what did you pull out? And they're like, COVID, something's <laughs> important, whatever. Turns out school's closed tomorrow. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's funny, it's a safe takeaway. <laughs> um, the, the, in, the, in the US Army, there's a, a, a regulation uh, that that actually codifies a, a style of writing called bottom line up front, bluff, uh, B-L-U-F, bottom line up front. And I love it for a bunch of reasons. One, it makes it easy for people to get the gist immediately if they're not going to, if they don't have time to read the full thing. But it also standardizes the norms of communication because one of the problems is there. it's not obvious that bottom line up front is always better because it can come off as aggressive, presumptuous, uh, and definitely we talk about different stat status of people. Like it actually sort of, it, 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 people come from unequal places and, and readers and writers uh, interpret these things differently. And so when we're like, when Jessica and I write about this and we do research on this, it's like, there isn't an ironclad law on how best to write. It just depends on your context. But if you can establish norms then it, it actually protects people from the kinds of backlash from different kinds of communication. Like if I just wrote you a message and been like, Nate, right, let's say we'd never met. Nate, I want you to do a podcast with me next Tuesday, period. And then afterwards, like, I'm a great admirer of your work and I hope that we get a mm -hmm. chance to talk. Like it's going to come off as really presumptuous and aggressive. Whereas if I flip the order, you're not going to get the request to later but it, I mean, in, in the world, we have to just concentrate trade-offs all the way. Yeah. Yeah. All the way down. Um, really interesting. Well, uh, I really look forward to reading this book because communicating concisely uh, is something that as an academic we have to do. But to your point, I, I mean, at first blush, many people or myself included, I would not think that this topic is such an important um I wouldn't think that this topic would be so important for school administrators, for example, communicating with parents to try to help reduce absenteeism. Um, but your work shows that this skill is vitally important. So I, I love this lesson. Yeah, thanks. I, I yeah, I, I sometimes I mean, I'm struggling sometimes for how to frame it so that people realize how central it is to everything. Uh, and like we have examples in healthcare and in sales and in uh, climate and in absent school attendance and school success um, and, in, and in organizational management. But it's in everywhere. But when we make it at this abstract level, it doesn't sound concrete. And my daughter, my, I've got a 13-year-old daughter, and the other day she was saying to me, Dad, I know you worked on increasing voter turnout. Now, I think that's good. 
I, you also worked on getting kids to go to school. Mm-hmm. Obviously good. But dad, getting people to write better text messages. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so I, 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 but I think it touches everything. It touches every dimension, whether, I mean, it's forms, text, memos, emails. In my lab, we have a rule that no one can send a message that's more than four sentences. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, and what that means is you can say below is the answer to your seven questions. I need to, I need to hear back by Tuesday on item number one, best Todd. Uh, and then it's all below, but like the, the top above the sign, four sentences or less, just like, what is it we're saying? And everything else can be an attachment or below, but it shouldn't be that the request is in paragraph six. Well, it just makes me think too of a company that was founded on this idea of sharing, you know, brief ideas in 160 characters or less, right? <laughs> and to this point, Todd, um, you know, I asked at the beginning if if you have two or three simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you'd like to share. I would love to hear if you have another lesson, but I also don't want to take away from how valuable this first lesson has been. So I'll I'll, I'll put the ball in your court. Uh, are there any other lessons you would like to share or should we just leave it at, at, at this one? Oh, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Uh, you know what we'll do? I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, uh, the six, the six principles of writing for busy readers. Awesome. The most important of all of them is design for navigation because everyone skims. So you, you, I like it. It can help to think of your writing as a designed product which is like with formatting and with headings and with structure. If it's gonna be long, you want headings. We did an experiment the other day uh, with a, uh, an organization that was sending 50,000 people an eight paragraph update. And, uh, and half of them, we just had at, at every two paragraphs, we put a heading. So it's just like, what's this section about? And the other half we didn't, and they never use headings. And what we found was that it almost tripled the percent of people who clicked on which we interpret as read yeah anything below the second paragraph <laughs> like like wow. you know nobody nobody like it's just too long but 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 skimmers you watch with the eye tracking stuff they jump around they dart mm-hmm. around and then they go backwards uh design for navigation less is more which is something you were talking about uh fewer words fewer ideas fewer requests um and then and i, I won't get into all of them but I'll, the last one is just make reading easy uh and that means lower the reading level, shorter sentences, familiar words. Uh, we've got a paper that we're, ra- that we're working on now that uh, even with like newspaper headlines, when, you, when, the, when they use more common words, like, like uh, uh, what's another, what's a, an unfamiliar synonym for common? Rare, well, can you think of, can you help me think of one? So like more common words as important. Unique. Esoteric. There it is. Yes. So when you use more common words as opposed to esoteric words, uh, people just skip the 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 articles when they have any esoteric words in them. Um, And so it's just like you know, you make make reading easy, make it easy for the reader. Yeah. It's right to express. Don't try to impress. And and I will say, your own bio makes use of these. As I was reading your bio, you know, you've got like semicolons and lists, and it looked to me like you had a hand and crafting that bio to try to just make it easier on the reader. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I it, it also probably looks super edited cause I can never, I can never figure out what, what these are supposed to look like. Cause I kind of think it should be one sentence. 
<laughs> but yeah. Well, Todd, I love this lesson and I really look forward to reading the book. And, you know, the, the point of this podcast is simple, practical, and underappreciated ideas. And, and I started this podcast with the aim of just passing along lessons to my children and then started thinking about my students that can help them. And this is something that if we take seriously, it was Charlie Munger, you know, said, take a simple idea and take it seriously. And I feel like this is one of those ideas that is way bigger or can have a much larger impact than we'd ever expect when we first hear about it. So it's just, I love the lesson. It's perfect for this podcast. And I just really appreciate you giving me the chance to talk with you about it today. My pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me on. The lesson is add a round of editing where your goal is to, how do I make this easier for the reader? It'll be more effective and it's kinder. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickles and Dimes. Todd Rogers has dedicated the last 20 years of his career to a simple, practical, underappreciated idea that is having a profound impact. His work has not only increased voter turnout and thus strengthened democracy, but also has decreased student absenteeism and thus improved the lives of children. And it all stems from a simple question. How can we write so that busy people will read and respond to what we write? First, the why. When we make it easier on the reader, they're three times more likely to engage. Todd helped write an email that was sent to 50,000 people, and by simply using headers every two paragraphs, he tripled engagement. Second, the how. Before we ever hit send, do one round of editing with a single goal in mind. Make this easy for the reader. And Todd's research has found what helps. Fewer words, fewer ideas, fewer requests, common words, effective formatting, and designing for navigation because everyone skims. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal wrote in 1656, I am writing you a longer letter only because I did not have time to make it shorter. It takes work to follow Todd's advice, but it will make us more effective and kinder. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with three quick requests. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. And finally, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. Thank you for all of your support.